Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Well, good morning, Midland. It's good to be home. Stacy and I just um, flew in from the Middle East on Thursday night to cover for Henry and to be here with y'all. Um, it's a good time to get out of the Middle East. Um, we are seriously jet lagging. So I, I told Rip, if I, if I pass out, just step over me and keep going. All right. Um, if we are uh, new to you, Stacy and I have been uh, frontline missionaries for the last uh, 20 years, and we've been with you all uh, almost as long as Henry's been here. Uh, one of the first things he did when he arrived was inflict us on you, um, so we've been here for a while. The last um, nine years, we have lived in northern Iraq. Uh, we rolled in back in 2014, three weeks after ISIS took over a big chunk of the Middle East, uh, and we stayed, uh, all while still members of Christ Church Midland. So really, we run Christ Church's branch office in the Middle East. We are, um, I want to say first, we're so grateful to you for your nonstop generous encouragement, prayers, uh, and investments in God's work in the nations. You know, from the get-go 20 years ago, we, it's been on our hearts. We really seriously want to be uh, a great ROI, return on investment. I mean, our heart, our goal is to be the best bang for the, the mission buck anywhere. So I want to start today uh, with just your quick uh, annual investor report, okay? We're going to start there. Um, over the last two years, stop, stay here. One thing Americans just don't generally know is that um, we are living right now at the time of the biggest move of God in history. Did you know that? The biggest move of God. We've never seen anything like it in 2,000 years. And it is spreading around the world rapidly and it's beginning here now in the U.S. and in Europe. Our team, our little team in the Middle East, in the last two years has planted, I get this number, 1,200 churches and discipleship groups in two years. And that's your work. That's your work. We're one team. It's not y'all here and us there. Uh, we are one team together. So these are your crowns to lay at the feet of Jesus. They're as much, they're God's, but they're as much yours as ours. So our team is actually, our team's work is actually bigger than the Anglican Church in North America. Wow. Uh, we have groups, churches in Iran, Iraq, Turkey, and Syria. Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. Um, there were 70,000 mosques in Iran 50,000 of them have closed. In one Syrian refugee camp, uh, we have more than 180 churches and groups that have reached the 10th generation. That means a church that's planted a church that's planted a church that's planted a church. 10 generations. And this is the work of two uh, refugees who were Muslim, we baptized them. They have done this in 10 months. 10 months. Wow. 
So praise God for that. And thank you for catalyzing it. Thank you for investing in it, praying for it. God is moving. We've never seen anything like it. And it's amazing. Jesus is winning. Forget what the news tells you. Jesus is winning. All right. A lot of our kingdom work, Jesus' work, focuses on refugees. Um, we have one million refugees all around us from, the, from ISIS and the Syrian civil war. Uh, the average stay in a UN refugee camp is 18 years. Okay? And last year, the UN cut off all assistance to the refugees. This means no food, no medicine, no education, no heating oil. Winters get really cold and snowy, nothing. Refugee camps are miserable, hopeless places. They are hell on earth. And we help together these precious people uh, survive, but not just survive. We want them to thrive in the new normal. We want them to not just breathe, not just live, not just be warehoused by the UN, but to really thrive. So we're working on a, a really big test project, making one of our refugee camps food self-sufficient while creating jobs. What they need most are food and jobs. And you, Christ Church, you kicked this project off with the startup funding. You got the ball rolling. We pitched it to you first. You got behind it. We got it moving. And friends, this looks like it is a game changer for the refugees. Game changer. Why does this matter? There are 100 million refugees on the planet. And 90% of refugees are not looking for a better life. They're running for their lives. 90% of them have to flee because of war and, and violence. And with 100 million of them, we need, we need better ideas. We need better solutions. They're not, and that's not going to come from the UN. You got that? Better ideas are not going to come from governments. They're not going to come from the UN. Better solutions are going to come from people with kingdom thinking from looking at this with Jesus' eyes. See, this is a place where Jesus wants to intervene and fix brokenness. That's what he does. And together, us, all of us here, we are, we are on the leading edge of finding better ways to help refugees recover and thrive in Jesus' name. Because the other thing the, US is not, the UN is not gonna do is in Jesus' name, right? We're not the UN. We're not government, we're followers of Jesus. And followers of Jesus are committing to this and, and helping them thrive in his name, in his name. We have so far, with your help, uh, we've built greenhouses where the refugees, they're growing, we just saw them last week, they're growing cucumbers and tomato and eggplant and parsley and mint, it's going really well. And then we have given uh, families hens and roosters. They get chicken coops. Uh, they get 10 hens and one rooster. That's a real happy, busy rooster. Uh, and um, uh, they're now producing eggs. And the idea is that they can, they can feed their families and then sell the excess. Uh, this month, we're bringing in sheep and goats. They are so excited. Uh, we desperately need some fast help right now. We are on to something good and big for Jesus, uh, and we need to keep moving forward. So if this is at all interesting to you, grab me or Stacy. we can tell you more. Um, we have propaganda and envelopes and prayer cards at the, the back table, y'all know what to do. Um, okay, that was your investor report. 
all right? We're doing, God is doing it. It's amazing. We're seeing just amazing things happen, and you're right there with us in the middle of it. Okay, let's get to today's lessons. They are delicious. When Henry sent me the lessons for today, and I just went, wow. So here's our, here's a problem. Our country's a mess. We all on the same page? Okay. It's so divided. It's a mess. Um, You know, sometimes we come back to the U.S., and I just want to go back to the Middle East where it's sane and rational. (laughs) Um, I don't care about your political leanings. It's just bad. And at the same time, like, we got to be honest, okay? we got to know where we really are. The church in the West is dying pretty quickly. The way we have been doing church is dying. There's good news. 40 million Americans out there among us have left church. They've de-churched right now. And don't think that's all San Francisco and New York and Austin. Um, Actually, this leaving is happening among conservatives in the South at twice the rate. Conservatives in the South are leaving the church faster than anybody else in the country right now. Interesting stat. So here's where we are. Let's, let, you just got to be honest, all right? The country's a mess. The church is dying the way we know it. And the whole world is cracking up, right? We live in the Middle East. I tell people, if you don't like what's happening in the Middle East, wait five minutes, it'll get worse, okay? So here's, the, here's where that puts us. You know, when the things we care about, church and country and society and our children and our grandchildren's futures when they're not going the way we want, what happens? We get anxious. We get angry. We, we can start to blame others and lash out. True? A lot of lashing out right now. A lot of anxiety. But if we get, if we let this make us angry and resentful and combative, or if we just check out and say, the heck with them, I'm fine here in Midland, forget the rest of you, we stop being effective followers of Jesus. We get off the Jesus train. See, our central identity, your your identity as a follower of Jesus, you're a new creation in Jesus. This gives you a new identity. This is, I'm telling you your identity. You're an ambassador of Jesus and his kingdom. You are citizens of his kingdom living in this broken and messy world. That's who you are. And we're called to represent Jesus, to become more and more like him, and advance his kingdom. That's a nice slogan. What does that mean, advance his kingdom? What it really means is fixing broken people and broken stuff. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do. And we can't do this. We we get off the Jesus train if we get angry and anxious and fussy or check out. Okay, we're following Jesus. Are we all following Jesus here? Everybody, we're good with that? We're okay? Okay. Okay, so if we're following Jesus, we have to be about his purpose, his goal, right? Where's he going? What's he trying to do? What's on his heart? We follow him, all right? We follow his vision. His vision is what? It's his kingdom, right? It's his lordship over all people, all places, all situations, we together on that? That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. That's what this is all about. It's a kingdom movement. 
He's leading his kingdom movement because he wants to fix broken people, places, and situations. He wants to fix everything we broke in the fall, which is everything. All right? And so we're following along, doing what he's doing. Now, how do we do it? How do we achieve the goal? All right? Jesus says we achieve the goal of bringing his kingdom and lordship by making disciples. That's what he said. Okay? Now, why? He's really smart. Why? Why does, why does making disciples achieve the goal, which we all agreed we want to see, right? Um, because wherever Jesus is loved and obeyed, his kingdom comes. Wherever followers of Jesus go, his kingdom comes. Broken things and broken people get fixed, right? The kingdom is the answer to everything that's broken, Everything, all right? So we make disciples who through the church, through their obedience to Jesus, bring the kingdom of God. That's what this is all about. That's what Jesus' goal is. That's what he's doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Obeying him and bringing his kingdom into the world. We okay with that? Kind of gotta know what we're, what's our identity and what are we supposed to do? So navigating this mess we're in right now and being kingdom problem fixers. Okay, just like latch on to that phrase. Tell yourself, I am a kingdom problem fixer. That's your identity. That is who you are, okay? It means we got to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We got to remember his goal. Transformed people and places. Don't get knocked off your game. Don't do that. You see, the world, the flesh, and the devil cannot take your salvation. Ain't happening, right? So instead, what they do is try to distract you, discourage you, get you angry, get you to lash out, get you to check out. We've got to keep our heads screwed on straight. Stay on the Jesus train. And what that means is looking at Jesus. For everything bad that comes up and tries to make you angry or anxious, look at Jesus five times. Come back at it with Jesus, all right? Look at, look at how he handled life. Look at him, all right? Jesus was dirt poor, living in the, the backwoods of Palestine under rotten King Herod and the brutal Romans. It doesn't get much worse than that, right? What did Jesus do? Did he get mad and curse the darkness? Did he, did he listen to talk radio and get riled up? Did he, did he pick fights on Facebook? No. You know? Peter says of his Lord and his great friend Jesus, he went about doing good and healing the sick. That's how he handled it, right? Go, go, do good, love others. There it is. So really what this is about is mercy. The world, the flesh, and the devil want you mad, anxious, angry, distracted, checked out. Mad at those people and those places. So we can just hunker and bunker at home and be anxious and throw rocks. And what Jesus wants is us out there showing mercy. Friends, mercy is the heart of God. As we continue the service and get into the Eucharist, listen to how many times you hear the word mercy. Now, to be, okay, we're called to be merciful like Jesus, right? We okay with that? 
We're called to be merciful. God is merciful. First, we have to experience mercy. We can't be merciful until we've experienced it ourselves. How do you know? How do you know? Question. How do you know you've experienced the mercy of God? I can ask you, hey, do you believe God loves you? And you're going to say, yeah, of course God loves me. But here's the next question. There's always a next question. The next question is, are you thrilled? Are you amazed? Are you astonished? Does that thrill you? Look at today's gospel. Look at it. The first group of people coming in the banquet would have said, well, you know, I knew I'd always make it to the banquet if I just did the right things. You know, I was pretty good, better than that guy, you know, better than most. You know, I went to church every Sunday. Heck, I served on the vestry. I'm, I earned it. I earned it. Friends, that's being religious. And if you come to the banquet that way, you're not clothed appropriately and you don't get to stay. Unlike traditional religion, Jesus turns it on his head. Jesus turns everything on its head. And he says, this is what he says. He says, you don't earn your place in the kingdom of God. God loves people at an infinite cost to himself. God loves first and he makes it possible for us through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to enter into his banquet. You see that? We're getting to the heart of the gospel, friends, here. So the great unwashed at the banquet are saying, man, yesterday I was begging for food. I was, I was uh, eating out of garbage cans. And now I find myself today, I'm sitting next to the king eating at his banquet. That's incredible. You see that? You see it? They're thrilled by it. They're amazed. They're astounded. What am I doing here? I was eating out of garbage cans. I'm now with the king eating at the banquet. Friends, unless you feel that way, unless you feel that, you know, if I just walk in like I am, I'm going to be thrown into darkness. You see, this is a holy God. I can't just roll in and, and sit down next to him and stand before him as I am. But, here's the but, here's the good news. God has clothed me at infinite cost to himself and to his son who died on the cross for my sins. You see, everybody there at the banquet that Jesus is okay with, he clothed them. He clothed them. They were there at the banquet. It's what he gave. It's what he did. You see that? So, if you believe that, if you get that, you're going to be galvanized by this idea of mercy. You're gonna be thrilled by this idea of mercy. You're gonna be changed by this idea of mercy because you know you've received this mercy first. You see that? It comes to you first. You've experienced it and it's through getting God's mercy, rejoicing in it, being thrilled by it, by, by being thrilled by what God has done for us that we can find joy. You know, there's a joy deficit in the U.S. right now. I see it. And that's the, that's the antidote to, to anger and anxiety. That's what the gospel does. The gospel gives us peace and joy. It gives us a wonder at God's mercy. Just wonder at it. And friends, look what's ahead. Isaiah tells us this morning, God will suddenly remove the cloud of sorrow that's been hanging over all the nations. The sovereign Lord will... 
He will destroy death forever. He will wipe away the tears from everyone's eyes. Wow. Doesn't that wow you? That's coming. That's coming your way. Friends, you know, what's going on in San Francisco and Austin and Tehran is just simply not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is death. That's your big problem. And it's been resolved. If you have been clothed by Jesus, you can't die. Ever. Your worst, hairiest problem has been dealt with. You're going to be at the Father's banquet forever. It's resolved. People asked us, like, how could we, back in the day, go up like a mile away from ISIS and, and run around do what we do? And I just said, because you can't kill me. I'm walking dead. I died in Christ. Like, shoot me. It's just gonna, I'm going to go and be an intercessor in the courts of heaven. I'm going to be worse. <laughs> I can't die. So if we get that, we can find peace. We can find balance. We can find joy. Your biggest problem is no longer... Can, can you just walk out of here and be happy this morning? I just solve your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is dealt with. Now go and beat the Baptist to lunch and have a great day. <laughs> the, the, the appropriate wedding banquet. See, this is all going to end in this big banquet. And the appropriate garment is the blood of Jesus. It's not being nice. It's not having a Jesus bumper sticker in your car. It's not giving 50 bucks to make the missionaries go away again. You know, if you're, if you're covered in the blood of Jesus, if you accept, you can't earn it. His gift, you're in. You're, you're not clothed by going to church. I ticked that box. You're clothed. You're not here to earn anything. You're not here to tick a box. And they're like, look, God, I went to church. I, I deserve it. You know? You're clothed by believing. You're clothed by faith. You're clothed by receiving this gift. Isn't that good news? Isn't that really good news? That's the gospel, friends. You know, if salvation is by earning, I earned it, you know, by doing, well, you know, how much good is good enough? How often do I have to go to church? How much money do I have to give? You know, if you're trying to clothe yourself, you're never going to know how much is enough, right? That's, that's the deal with the Muslims. They're trying to earn. They don't know. Muslims don't know what's going to happen to them when they die. So they are, you know, they're trying to do this, and they're trying to do that, and I'm giving, and I'm going on Hajj, and I'm going to the mosque, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to fast. And they don't know. And because they don't know, they're anxious and fussy. That's why they are the way they are. They don't know what's going to happen to them when they die. Because they're trying to earn it. And if you're trying to earn, you never know if I've earned enough. All right. So, friends, the good news today, I mean, I want you to walk out of here happy, all right, joyful. The good news for us today is that despite what they're doing in San Francisco and Austin and the Middle East, we can find peace and joy. Now, we need to talk about what joy is. We need to define it here. Joy is, it's not, ah, all right, the Cowboys won, ah, all right, all right. Joy is, we have a little technical word here, it's, it's a buoyancy. It's a spiritual buoyancy that comes when you're rejoicing in what God has done. When you are 
utterly thrilled by the mercy of God. If you're, all, if you're following Jesus today, you have experienced the mercy of God. Be thrilled by it. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18 is a great place. Paul is saying, says this, we're down, but we're not out. We're crushed, but we're not destroyed. What's he talking about? Buoyancy. He says, followers of Jesus, we can have a joy. We can, we can balance joy uh, and with sadness and struggle. We can stay afloat. You got that? This doesn't mean that we are um, impervious to suffering. We just had three of our believers martyred in northern Iraq. It was really hard. It was really hard. And we were sad. Their families were just left destitute. It was really rough. Um, we were sad. But the Bible says over and over and over again that you can be sad but joyful at the same time. Friends, I'm sad about Henry. Henry is my best friend in the whole world. I talk to him every day. I'm sad, but I'm not destroyed. I'm not destroyed. I'm not down and out. Right? I'm angry about what happened in Israel. Maybe you are too. I mean, it made me angry, right? But if we just become consumed with anger, then we're no better than the bad guys. You see, righteous anger stays in control. It's just anger. It's about justice. It doesn't become about raging blind anger. It has to be channeled through justice. So what having this buoyancy means is that we're unsinkable. Don't you want to be unsinkable right now? Right? We're constantly being pushed down by the world, but we don't stay down. We don't sink. This buoyancy, staying afloat, comes from a focus on the unchanging riches we have in God. Let's do that one again. All right? Staying afloat, not being taken out, taken down, comes from remembering, thinking about the unchanging riches we have in God. Have friends, really honestly, gut check question, have you even begun to tap the resources that are yours? In Philippians 4, which we heard this morning, Paul talks about the peace of God. And this peace of God is a frame of heart. It's, it's consistent and it's solid and it's confident no matter what's going on. We need that right now. We need that to stay on the Jesus train, to keep doing what he's doing. Because everything is trying to work against us to knock us off the Jesus train. Okay? Peace and joy come from an assurance of your salvation. What does Paul, what is Paul saying? What is he saying? Paul's kind of complicated and he's a little wordy. You got to like dig in a little bit and try to figure out what he's saying. What he's saying here is think. Think. Jesus does it all the time. He says, have no anxiety about anything, but what's the word he uses? Consider. Think. If you're worried, if you're anxious, you're not thinking. Worry is an absence of thinking. What did I say? Don't lose your head. Keep your head screwed on straight. Think, think, think. Or put it like this. You can either talk to your heart or listen to your heart. The Bible's really big on this. See, tomorrow morning, you've heard this, tomorrow morning, your heart's going to start to say, oh my God, look what they did in Washington again. Oh my God, what are they doing in Austin? Oh my God, San Francisco. Oh my God, Israel. Like, what are we going to do about this? Right? 
Now, there's two ways you can go with your heart. You can sit and listen to your heart and just get more and more anxious. Oh my God, look at this. What are we going to do about this? This is terrible, right? Or you can talk to your heart. David's so good at this. In Psalm 42, this is what happens. David says, he's depressed and he says, why are you cast down on my soul? Who's he talking to? Himself. He's talking to his heart. He's talking to his heart. Why, why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? Like, you know, Saul's out to kill me and everything's bad and I just got a few guys and this isn't looking good. Hope in God. See, what he's doing is instead of listening to his heart that's saying, everything's bad, Saul's trying to kill us, we're going to die, right? It's really, really, really bad, you know? He's talking back to his heart. Every night, my heart instructs me. See, either, see, your heart's going to talk to you. You need to talk back. You get that? Your heart's always talking to you. Talk back. Think and talk back. David's saying, think about this. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. Don't forget it is who saved you. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who God is. See, worry is listening to your heart. Peace comes from talking to your heart. Let's do that one again. It's real important. Worry is listening to your heart. That's just like a problem machine. All right. And peace is talking back to your heart, reminding your heart of the riches you have in Jesus and this amazing, thrilling mercy you have received. You get that? Remind your heart of the mercy you have received. Remind your heart of the riches you have in Jesus and who he is and how faithful he is and good he is. We need to constantly come back and say to our heart, what makes me accepted by God is what Jesus has done for me. See, there's no question about it. You know, the, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil are always going to try to keep you away from the gospel. The world, the flesh, and the devil want, to, want you to forget the gospel. Take your eye off the ball. The only way to deal with the world, the flesh, the devil, and your heart is telling yourself the gospel over and over again, what Jesus has done for you, what he gives you. So friends, we need to keep our heads screwed on straight in the midst of this. We need to stay on the Jesus train. And that what that means is when things are not going the way we like, remind yourself, remind your heart of the good news of the gospel. You are clothed in Christ Jesus and you will be at the banquet forever. Doesn't that kind of settle everything? It's settled. It's settled. There's a great banquet awaiting you. And until that time comes, what do we do? We look at Jesus and we follow Jesus. We draw on the riches of the gospel. We draw on Jesus and we do what he's doing. What is he doing? Go and show mercy. Go and show mercy. That's his heart. The mercy, friends, that thrills and amazes and changes us is the mercy that everybody in the world so desperately needs. And it's the answer to everything. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.